Welcome back to Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. My name's Thomas, uh, joined again by Terry McAllister from the Toffee Blues and once again by Charlie Gregory uh, from Manchester Evening News, who's joined us again to talk a bit more uh, about the Salford result last night, uh, of course, second round of the Carabao Cup. Um, early lead uh, with Michael Keane, kind of nine minutes in, game kind of went into a bit of a lull from there, but picked up again in the second half, ended up being a 3-0 win. Um, glad to see us in, well, I say it in the half for the next round, we know who we'll get already because they do these pre-draws, which I, I, I never really get, but... Uh, against Fleetwood in the next round, happy to go through. A uh, very rotated squad, I think there was 10 changes in the end, so pleased to get through in the end, but uh, I'll come to Charlie first. What were your kind of, you know, uh, initial thoughts about the game? I thought it was an interesting one, really. I think from the lineups, obviously, as you say, it was quite rotated from Everton, so there was a few inexperienced players, but also a blend with some that you could almost call veterans of the game. You know, you Theo Walcott's that have got nearly 400 Premier League appearances, so... I think it was quite nicely balanced. Um, Salford lined up strong, plenty of experience of their own in there. Um, I think they they put on a decent show of themselves. I feel like 3-0 potentially might have flattered Everton, even though Everton hit the woodwork about 15 times. Um, but no, it's it definitely an interesting game to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was pleased in the end because when Michael Keane scored that early goal, I was like, yeah, but then when we score really goals, it doesn't necessarily go well because you do have to like then you have that lead for a very long time. Terry, what were your thoughts about the game in general? Yeah, I think Charlie's right there. I think the scoreline flattered us a little bit. Um, <clears throat> we spent large portions of the game just sort of labouring and playing quite slow and you know within ourselves. But I think it's fair to say Salford probably plays a little bit within themselves. Like every time they'd get forward, they'd sort of you know, do you panic a little bit and like try and force it? Wouldn't wait for a you know a, an opportunity to form or a, a good pass to be on. So I, it was one of those games where I think the lack of crowds really suited Everton because in that second half before the uh, second goal, I think the way we were playing, the crowd would have started getting on the back of the players, and that may have also buoyed the Salford players if it had have happened. But obviously that you know didn't happen. And once the second goal went in, obviously Everton started to loosen up. Then you know we got better combinations going, and we started to look like we started to look like the better team. Then, but for large spells of the game, it was very even. And the senior fringe players at Everton, I don't think have done anything to give Carlo Ancelotti any selection headaches going forward. I think um, we know now that there's very much a first eleven at Everton. Um, there's a system that they're going to play at Everton, which we saw again, but with different players, the four-three-three. Um, and it's just going to be the eleven that's at, that started at Tottenham, and probably the teenagers, the only ones who really acquitted themselves last night because the the Walcotts, the Bernards, um, even the Tom Davises. But some of, some of those players mentioned have played, you know, in World Cups for their country, and not just any country like Brazil, England, and they just didn't didn't do anything in the game. So you know, Bernard played okay, but he, you know he didn't stand out and make you think, oh, he's going to play next game. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed with a couple of players, but we're, getting, we're going to get to that later. I think it's better we start off with the positives more than anything. Um, 
in terms of the crowd, I completely agree. I mean, was it was it Towell who had a couple of chances, I think, where they pulled it back and he kind of bled one over the bar? Uh, there was one where Ian Henderson had a header. There was, the, Salford definitely, they, they had a couple of chances where they could have scored, really. And I mean, it kind of made sense. We did have, I mean, Luca Dean at centre-back, but to be fair, he did quite well. Um, I, I can't really criticise him too much for playing in a position that he, uh, he didn't play in. But Charlie, what did you think about Salford's chances? Were there, like, were there a couple where you maybe expected a goal in the end? Because chances were definitely coming at one point. I think if you look at this game purely on the statistics or the highlights, you would have thought that Salford did absolutely nothing. Um, and to be fair, they had a lot of um, possession in that second period especially, but it didn't really convert into clear-cut chances, unfortunately. Um, there were a couple, like, say, with Richie Tal, who was sort of advancing from deep, um, where he probably could have done better. And if he'd have got a goal at a certain stage, well, when it was 1-0 down, then it would have been a completely different tie. But um, now it was, it was just one of them where I think it was the, the quality in the final third, and as Terry said, maybe a little bit panicked um, when they did get to those good positions. Um, maybe on another day it would have been a different story, but um, on a big occasion like this, it was just that composure and quality in the final third that was the real difference. Yeah, and then I'll come to you, Terry, because we'll start off with Everton standout performers because. Uh, there was definitely a couple down the left-hand side that I'm sure you'll name, but what, who, were you, who were your stand-up performers in the match last night? Well, Niels and Kunku um, impressed everyone, didn't he? He looked the part, especially going forward. You know, his, his pace and his, um, his trickery was, was fantastic. Every time he got himself in dangerous positions, he, he got away from his marker. Um, Anthony Gordon grew into the game. He, um, he was good in the first half, um, but then got really good in the second half. Um, Michael Keane, Played all right. He, I mean, he didn't really have to exert himself, but he he looked a class apart from the rest of the team and the rest of the players and the opposition team rather. Um, he looked like what he is. He's you know he's a current England international, and he wasn't really uncomfortable at any point. Luca Dean, obviously as well, France international playing out of position, but he wasn't put under any pressure. I, I thought that Salford might have played on him a little bit when he went in there, and I think. I mean, I don't know, I, forgive me, I don't know the guy's name, but just before the second goal, they were going to bring a very, very uh, large, strong-looking striker on. I think that may have been what they were going to do, um, start start hitting him and having a play against Luca Dean. But, yeah, Dean, Keane um, and the two down the left were the ones who really excelled. Um, I think Nkunku, you know, he was brought in to play in the under-23s. I think, you know, everyone can see now from the pre-season games and from this game, yeah, he's not going to be doing that. He's going to go straight in at the um, the first team level and deputise for Luca Dean. He's a looks a bargain. Yeah, Charlie, do you agree? Because of course, Charlie was actually at Goodison Park, so he might have had a, a slightly different view of the players. But what did you think? No, I, I think they were exceptional, both in Kunku and uh, Gordon. You know, they were giving Oscar Threlkeld, Salford's right back, an absolute torrid evening. He'll be having nightmares for days. I can guarantee it. Um, I mean, Threlkel wasn't really getting too much support from the other sort of players on that right-hand side. So the overlap that Nkunku was offering every single time, was it just kept being used and exploited. And that's where I think Everton had most of their joy. Um, I do think it's quite interesting, though, that the two most threatening players in that Everton team were Nkunku and um, Gordon. You know, you're looking at, at an attack that's got Moise Keane and Theo Walcott and there's Kilfie Sigurdsson, who was influential from midfield, I must say, but I don't think they had 
as direct an impact as the two left-sided youngsters did. So I think it's a testament to those guys, but also maybe not the best um, sign for the more experienced players. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed our squad on the head there. I mean, uh, we've got a lot of those kind of players who you'd expect to put in a very good performance in a, in a game like last night against lower league opposition, and then they don't. Thought Walcott was really poor. I mean, he really didn't do much at all, had very little impact. Um, then, in terms of Salford uh, standouts, we, we can definitely talk about how I'll come to Charlie first. I was very impressed with the keeper. Uh, I know you actually mentioned him before we went into the game and said he should maybe be looking after him, made a couple of good saves. Was, was he maybe your standout performer as well? Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, you know, like there's the save from Bernard to sort of tip it past the post. And then I think it was from Walcott from close range. You know, shot stopping wise, he's, he's probably championship quality. You know, how on earth Salford have managed to convince him to come and play in League Two is is beyond me. You know, he, he keeps showing every single game that he is a very good goalkeeper and he'll put in eight nines out of tens every single week. Um, so, yeah, I think he kept Salford in it at times where they were at risk of really slipping out of the game. You know, he didn't play against Manchester United on the 21s when they were on the the wrong side of an absolute hammering. Um, and I think the fact that he was in yesterday sort of showed that um, you need those quality keepers in these games to really sort of keep your hopes alive, really. Yeah, uh, and then it's not always great to dwell on the players that didn't do so well, but I think we're going to have to. I'll come to Terry first. Um, for me, actually, I'll just kick things off. Moise Keane, I was very disappointed with. I know he ended up getting the goal in the end uh, from the penalty, but it's not like he really had anything to do with that. After that, he maybe he actually had a couple of chances where he hit the post. Uh, so after the penalty, kind of grew in confidence. But for the majority of the game, I was quite disappointed with him. Terry, what were your thoughts on well Keane and maybe some other uh, players you weren't impressed with last night? Well, Keane's the main one, isn't he? He was he was shocking, like for most of the game. Like it is every second touch was a tackle. Um, he was missing sitters, you know, that header he put onto the crossbar. He had a free header in the box from an absolutely brilliant cross from Gilfie Sigurdsson. Obviously, he's standing right on the spot, and that's, you know, I like that from a striker. You know, he needs a goal, he wants a goal. I'm having this penalty. Um, so, he, you know, he comes away from the game with the goal, move on, play better next time, but he needs to be grasping these chances. You see how well Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, you know, it was played against Spurs and it's, we look like we're going to play with a front three now so he's literally competing with Calvert-Lewin for the starting spot there's not two striker roles anymore if we're going to stick with this formation and he just didn't do anything he should be coming into this game you know Italy international you know and just bullying Salford's defence and Salford didn't really have a hard time with Keane all night like the only after the goal when I think Salford's heads dropped a little bit you know because they worked hard all night and then the game got a little bit away, got away from them. That's when you started to see a little bit better from Moise Keane, but it's, it wasn't enough. He was he was very poor. But and to be honest, I think the other players, it wasn't, it was the ones who didn't perform. It wasn't so much that they all played badly. It was just like, yeah, these aren't grasping this opportunity. Like John Joe Kenny didn't do anything particularly wrong. But with regards to the first 11 players, he's probably got the weakest sort of link in the chain. He's got the best chance of breaking in. Like Anthony Gordon, you know, could play as well as he liked. He's very, very unlikely to displace Richarlison if he's fit. Whereas if John Joe Kenny turns it on and makes a case, you know, he's, he makes a case for himself. 
Carlo Ancelotti's got a decision to make because Seamus Coleman, you know, isn't as good going forwards as he used to be. So Kenny could have took his chance last night and he didn't. He, he very he played very much within himself, didn't really didn't really um, make an impression for me. And and obviously the rest speak for themselves, you know, well copped. Bernard played okay, but you know, wasn't didn't rip up any trees and Tom Davis was Tom Davis, didn't do anything wrong, but he you know, he's clearly not gonna start if the other players are fit either. Yeah, I think it's just our luck, to be fair. We get two really good youth players come in last night, really impressed, and probably our two strongest positions in the squad that are probably, you know, least likely to be replaced, which is, is what it is. I mean, it's good competition for uh, Luke Dean and Richarlson, but, I mean, sadly, our two stand-up performers were in positions were already uh, pretty sorted in. Uh, Charlie, who were you kind of disappointed with uh, last night from an Everton perspective? Well, I think I'd agree with Terry as well. I mean, I was looking forward to seeing Moise Keane because... When he first came to the club, I thought it was a real coup for Everton because obviously uh, Juventus Stala, you know, he's scored quite a few goals in a, in a short space of time for them. Um, but it just doesn't seem to have worked out. And you could tell from last night that his confidence is absolutely shot. And um, that's something that Leon Osman said to me when we were queuing for the toilets at half time as well. He said the ball just keeps bouncing off him. You know, he, he can't get it in. He can't. He was trying to grab the game by the scruff of the neck, but it just wasn't really working for him. Um, when he hits the, the bar with his header from, a, I think it was a Sigurdsson cross, we even mentioned it in commentary. You know, if this is a Premier League game, you get those chances, you know, two, maybe three times in the whole 90 minutes. So you've got to be scoring them if that was against, I don't know, like a Liverpool or a Manchester City. So... Yeah, it was really poor from him. It, it literally was either side of the keeper and it's a guaranteed goal from that area. So, um, yeah, I thought Keane was disappointing. Obviously, we mentioned Walcott as well. I really thought somebody of his ability and his experience would be able to exploit that Salford back line. You know, we're talking about Ibu Torre, who was two years ago uh, in the National League North and you know, Jordan Turnbull, formerly of Northampton. You know, these are players that you can really get at, you know, if you're a, an FA Cup winner and, like I say, 400 Premier League appearances. But they just didn't seem to really threaten too much at all. I know it's a 3-0 scoreline, but I expected players like Keane and Walcott to be far more influential than, than they actually were. Yeah, because... It's a strange like phenomenon with Moise Keane where when he starts, I mean, barring last night, when he starts, he always looks a lot better because when he comes on as a sub, maybe in the, like, the last 10, 15 minutes, he, he, a lot of the time he looks like he's trying too hard and trying to do everything at one time and it doesn't work. But he seemed to kind of just chase the game last night and I was disappointed because if there was ever a game where you really come into it, you know, you, you, you give Ancelotti you know, a, a problem now, as Terry mentioned, you're only competing with Cavaloon for the one striker position. He just didn't do it at all because he, he still looks like he's trying far too hard. Constantly, you know, just running around, kind of just chasing lost balls, things like that. And it's just disappointing to see because he's not the same player as Covert Lewin. He's a lot more, you know, skillful. He, he prefers to, you know, be on the ball. But yeah, he, he didn't show any of those qualities last night. I was very disappointed with him. I agree with Walcott as well. I mean, I'm not really sure what we do with Walcott. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's only around the squad really because he's the only kind of out-and-out right-winger that we've got. I mean, I mean, we can say Hammers is going to play there now, but Walker is the only traditional right-winger we've got. He, he'll also probably bring some experience on the training ground, but he is, he's, a, he's really poor. And I was, I was actually really disappointed with Tom Davis last night. Uh, I, I really 
don't understand still what he's what he's meant to be doing because he hasn't developed much um, since he kind of broke out against Manchester City. And, and when he's on the ball, he doesn't look like a Premier League player at all. So I think he needs a loan, uh, if anything. Some people said that he might, he might be a squad player. I'm not sure that would necessarily have much value. Uh, I think it'd be, he'd be much better served going to the Championship, playing football on a loan, uh, then coming back. But uh, it just depends. Uh, it's up to the management, really. But uh, that's pretty much it for me. I mean, we could talk about the goals, but I mean, one's a set piece, one's a penalty, uh, and one's a pullback. I mean, Terry, do you want to talk us through the goals? Do you have any thoughts on them at all? Uh, the second one was a big relief because I started to get that fear, that jit, those jitters before that second goal. I was like, oh, this. So, I mean, forgive me, I can't remember his name. I retained it last night, but I saw that big striker about to come on and was like, oh, no, here we go. And the set goes in as he's on the touchline waiting to come on. And I was like, Thank God for that. <laughs> but uh, other than other than that, no, you know, not not much you can't say about the goals really, is there? Yeah, um, Charlie. What what's kind of? I mean, we spoke about the reaction from Salford, but what what's kind of next for Salford now? Is it is it promotion now that, that you're looking to now? You, now you're out of this competition as well. Yeah, I think um, you never want to go and lose a game, but I feel like in reflection of last night, Graham Alexander won't be too disappointed. I mean, speaking to him on the on the touchline after the game. He wasn't his normal sort of downbeat self after a loss. Um, I think they sort of reflected themselves in a positive light. Um, it was a display that they can be proud of. And yeah, like I say, it's about going into Grimsby now over the, over the weekend, which is uh, another away trip on Saturday. It's all about getting three points in that and then pushing on this season because, like I said to you in the preview, Graham Alexander said, we're not going to win the Carabao Cup. It's all about our league form and uh, that is certainly the priority. And I think you can take a lot of confidence into that game on Saturday from uh, from last night because they really didn't disgrace themselves at all. You know, there were periods in that second half where, you know, they'd kept it compact at the back and were really dominating in that midfield third. And going back to what you're saying about Tom Davis, you know, I think it was Davis, Sigurdsson and Bernard almost in a midfield three at times. And they were almost getting bullied off the ball by, by Salford's midfield. And there really wasn't that golfing class that you'd expect from Premier League to, to League Two. So I think it's testament to um, how disciplined Salford were last night. Uh, yeah, so there you have it. Thank you uh, very much to Terry uh, and Charlie for coming on. another extra time video on the chart today and possibly for the first time ever this is the third extra time in a row when we're all in a very good mood Everton have won their first home league game of the season against newly promoted West Brom uh, joining me today to dissect the game is Terry McAllister and Owen Parks another brilliant performance in the end a bit shaky for the first 20 minutes and I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into that now but I'll come to you first Owen what were your kind of just general thoughts on the game uh, as a whole I'm, I'm pleased with the result but I still, I still think the, I'm more pleased by the fact that I feel like we haven't even hit our best form yet for 90 minutes. I think that's a real positive. I think Everton of old, I think even with that red card, if they go down 2-2 yesterday, they probably don't win the game because they can't break them down. They have a bit, they had a bit of a siege mentality where they thought they'd just go around kicking people, which I was a big fan of, to be honest, but I think that's all they had. 
But I, I was really pleased with the results. I, I, I think personally they're in big trouble because I don't see how they're going to stop them goals going. And But from Everton's point of view, it was just another pleasing performance. The quality level of the team has gone from like there to there in like a matter of weeks. And that's pretty mad to say, considering we've only got three new players. Mm. But I think all in all, really pleased, top the league. Yeah, Terry, do you, do you agree with all that? Yeah, I mean, I was watching yesterday. If that game had ended at half-time, I'd have been ashamed. I'd have been like the best teams lost here because the West Brom had clearly credit when it's due done their homework on Everton. They were playing in that sort of pocket of space behind um, behind Hammers and leaving Coleman and, and Mina exposed. I mean, Mina was diabolical, wasn't he, yesterday? I'm usually a big fan of Mina, but he was awful. Um and I think they had the best of the game, but just, unfortunately for them, unfortunately for us, they just didn't have a player like like Hamas Rodriguez. He was the difference between the two teams. Um, obviously, then you get the red cards, and you know it's it's cut and dry. The red cards, it's you know it's a moment of madness. He's been rattled by by Hamas bumping into him, and he just conceded a goal, slashed out, got to go. Don't particularly agree with him. Billich being sent off. I don't know, you know. He, I don't agree with what he was saying, but he shouldn't have been sent off. I didn't agree when Ancelotti got sent off after the Man United home game last year. Mm. The manager has a right to talk to the referee. The referees, or at least he should do anyway, unless they're being abusive, which, you know, he was on camera, he clearly wasn't. Yeah, that, that's the problem at the moment, though, isn't it? Because referees have spoken about how managers are meant to approach them in the tunnel, but of course, it could have seen you get changed in the car park. Like, there's no way Village could have approached him anywhere other than there. So, yeah, I agree, he shouldn't have been sent off, but... I mean, yeah. the fact he, that you were saying that Richarlson fouled their defender, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I, I, I didn't agree personally with, with his gripe, but he shouldn't have been sent off for, for me. Um, obviously, Gibbs should have. Um, then, obviously, we come back and out in the second half, you know, we're, we're sleeping. We're, like, we're, we're, not, we're not at it the second we come out and they get um, the free kick. Great free kick. Yeri Mina, again, awful game, doesn't jump in the wall. Pickford, I think he, it's a bit harsh to... To like you know, say he could have done better with the free kick. He maybe could have, but I don't think that was the problem. I think it was Mina. So if Mina jumps, he probably gets his head on that. Then about sixty minutes, sixty-five minutes, we score the goal, and the air completely goes out to West Brom, and we just start controlling the game. Then the difference between the first sixty minutes and the last half an hour was unbelievable. Like we absolutely ran the show after that. Like Hamas Rodriguez is just. The West Brom players are playing checkers and he's playing 4D chess. He's just an absolute revelation. Like every time he gets it, like there, there was there's so many like balls he played that didn't end up in goals that I just did. like there was one where he played Luca Dean through and it just bounced off the sides of Luca Dean's boots mm-hmm. and it goes through the eye of a needle past two players and I just think this player's gonna get some assists this season. Not don't even think about his goals, the assists he's gonna get if we can start slotting, you know, carry on slotting the goals in. Brilliant after that. Like, made up for Dominic Carvalho lewin It's probably the scruffiest hat-trick you'll ever see, but they all count. So, made up for him. Um, Michael Keane back on the score sheet. Obviously, he's the pub quiz question who, who, uh, who scored in the Hammers Rodriguez debut goal game. And uh, Carvalho lewin scored an hat-trick. Rodriguez scored the other. He was the other one, Michael Keane. But um, <laughs> Richarlison as well. I think he had a good game. He's just trying to force the goal. He wants to get on in the action. He, he scored a great goal, but it was just offside. He just Times has run a little bit wrong, and yeah, 
Brilliant. Another you know, top of the league, 5-2. You know, correct, poor defensive performance, but they corrected it with the attacking performance. You know, there's things you can take on both sides from the game, but great results and um, a great performance from the hour mark onwards. Yeah, we'll go with the first 20 minutes first because it did look a bit shaky for for a moment. Of course, Dian Connor kind of just raced forwards, no pressure on him at all. I want to come to Owen here because Terry's just kind of spoken about it there. Who are you kind of blaming for that first goal? And I mean, maybe even that free kick as well, which obviously came later. But we spoke about Mina. I don't think Pickford's possession was great either. But where were the problems coming on their first goal? I think by the time we got in, it was Mina's fault. But I think, I think it comes from losing the ball high up the pitch and overcommitting. But by the, but that happens sometimes when you're trying to get an early goal. But I think Mina should just take him out, to be honest. I think he just backs off and backs off. And then Pickford, I think Pickford thinks it's going wise. To be honest, I weren't really convinced by his sort of dive to try and get it. I think, to to be fair to the lad though, Diangan, I think that was a great goal. I think he took the ball really well. I mean, that's the only thing he did in about the 60 minutes he was on the pitch, but mm. fair play to him, that was a great goal. But I think it was just, I think I think with Alan, I think especially, I think it was not his fault the goal, but sometimes with him being our only defensive shields, when he presses up like that, there's just a huge space. And behind us, Mina should take him out really, but good goal. But I think I think we're going to need to be a lot tighter and a lot more resolute next week. Yeah, because it's interesting you mentioned Alan there because I saw a bit of talk on Twitter about it. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on this, Terry, because obviously he is kind of being asked to play that. Well, when we're playing a four three three, he is kind of asked to play that deeper role. But he does like to, you know, close a man down, chase the game almost. Well, he doesn't chase games because once he's there, he makes it towers. But well, what were your thoughts, Terry, on generally Alan yesterday and Decore? You can add him in as well because both again had they had their quiet games, but they are unbelievable players for us. Like they don't like steal the headlines or anything. But I, th- I was very impressed with them both again. Yeah, they've made such a difference, haven't they? Like, obviously, it's not perfect, yeah. I don't. I think Decore wasn't as good as he was the week before, but I don't think he had a bad game by any stretch. But and and Alan as well. Alan's um, Alan's really, really underrated player, isn't he? Like, he's made as much of a difference as Hamid Rodriguez, but he just doesn't get the headlines. It's um, it'll be appreciated by our fans because we love a player like that. But like the the match of the day, Sky Sports, they won't they won't acknowledge him as much as you know the the nicer on the eye stuff like Rodriguez. Just really good buys. They look like really good players who slotted in seamlessly and just they've made other players play better around them. Andre Gomez has started playing well again because half because he's in a three and half because he's got better players around him. I know Owen will probably <laughs> play well yesterday. He didn't. He's playing better though, I think. But and crucially, I think Sigurdsson's playing better now. I don't know whether that's the formation change or whether that's the better players around him, but or whether it's just as I've got to pull my finger out now because I'm not going to get on this pitch unless I'm, I'm contributing. But he start like he, when he came on, he played really well. I think so, the thing is with Sigurdsson, both times we've seen him. Well, I mean, obviously we saw him for a bit against Spurs. I didn't think he was great, but saw him against Salford dominating the ball. We saw him yesterday come on to dominate the ball. We we know he can, you know, he, he can do well when he's on the ball. It's when he's being asked to pretty much do absolutely anything else. That's when he crumbles. But Owen, you got some thoughts on Andre Gomez there? I'd, I couldn't tell by your reaction if you, if you had any, you know, kind of reaction to what Terry said. But uh, what were your thoughts on him yesterday? I'm completely honest when it comes to Andre Gomez. Last week at Tottenham, I thought he played well. I don't think he played well yesterday. I thought he left too many gaps. I think there was a time where I think it might have been the second half, it didn't matter because they were down to 10 men. I had nothing left. But the first half, 
he was just wandering positions and there was just a big gap in between the core right and where he's supposed to be and they just kept on playing in and when he played up in the back I thought I actually, I'm not it's going to be in the comments now but I actually thought Sigurdsson played quite well to be honest when he came on of course he put in a few good balls I thought he controlled the ball nicely so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him if he continues to play like this coming on if he actually plays over Gomez and that's going to be savage for some people on um, on Twitter and that but I actually think I actually think he played well yeah and someone we definitely have to talk about is the man that in his post-match press conference Ancelotti compared to Inzaghi, which is not a not a bad comparison at all for a young striker. Uh, Owen, what were your thoughts on Calvert-Lewin yesterday? Of course, getting his first Everton hat trick. Yeah, I thought he was excellent. I, I think the most impressive thing with with Dom yesterday was I think he, in the first like three minutes he had that header and he missed it. And I think him of old or any Everton striker of old really would have just they wouldn't have had a kick all game after that. But he he just went in and scored the scruffiest hat trick in history since I don't know. I don't think there's he was there, Calvert, the fella for Liverpool who scored a hat-trick and they were all on the line and he just put them in. I think that was something I can't remember. Man United or something years ago, I think. He had a hat-trick and they were all just like on the line and he put them in, but they all count and I thought he played excellently well, I think. What ball helped Dom is the extra creativity he's got in the team with Hammers. Obviously, Richarlison creating extra space for him. Um, Decore making late runs. Even Gomez keeping the play nice to make... Base, I think it's all going to benefit him. Yeah, it's it's interesting that because Ancelotti in that same uh, kind of interview after the match said, "A striker's only meant to have one touch." You know, he he clearly knows the exact kind of striker he wants, and I think we've got that in Calvert Lewin. I mean, that he clearly puts in a lot of work in terms of his position on the pitch. Um, I mean, when Richarlison found him after that Rodriguez pass that I'll be dreaming about for the next couple of weeks easily I mean when he's there that's all you know hard work that okay he's not scoring the the magical goals where he's beating a man but that's clearly not what Ancelotti wants from him at all he wants that player who's just gonna you know have that final tap in we know we've got in Richarlison a a player that's gonna want to take on his man and beat him and get him behind we we don't need that from Calvert-Lewin at all Um, so I'm I'm very pleased to see him doing well I've always been a big fan of him I know there's definitely some people especially in the comments some people might not like him uh, despite the fact he scored four goals in two games Fun. They don't know anything about football if they don't rate a striker who's got his goal return. How much would they be willing to pay for a striker who'd score more goals than him? He wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I really like him a lot. Terry, what were your thoughts on Calvert-Lewin yesterday? Just vintage Calvert-Lewin, wasn't it? He, you know, he, he grafted his ass off. He, you know, he was one balls in the air. He created space for other players. And when he, when the chances came, he was in the box. He is what he is. Like people want him to be something he isn't. Like he gets the ball. And if he's got to take someone on or, or run in run in with the ball, forget it. It's not going to do it. Like he's he's he can't take anyone on. That's not his his strong suit. But that you know he's always in the right place at the right time in the penalty box. He's a nightmare for opposition defenders because he's so energetic and so physical. He absolutely he's at, he is absolutely perfect for the other players we've got either sides of him. Rodriguez and Richarlison both feed off him as a player. And now that he's got that creativity, he's scoring goals. He was scoring goals last season as well, um, since Ancelotti's came in. And I just, I know, I, 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 it's it's sort of like a, 
I listen to other football podcasts and whenever he comes up, other supporters of other clubs go, I don't get why Everton, they just don't understand why a lot of Everton fans don't like Calvert-Lewin. Um, and I don't either. Like, I understand, I wasn't the biggest fan of him at a time. Like, I thought, I don't see it. I don't, like, you know, when he was under Koeman and stuff. But he was a kid and he's developed and he's got better since then and I'm willing to go, okay, he's he, he wasn't good then, I didn't really rate him. And now he's good, and now I do rate him. Like he, he's not Lukaku. He's not going to pick the ball up and just like storm into the box. But you know, he never. He's, yeah, he's never been that player. You know, no one, no one ever moaned when we had Jelovic scoring goals when he first came in that he didn't pick up the balls. He can create his own chances. Why do they? Why is it like a problem for Dominic Carvalho? lewin is it just because they can't like they can't get out of that frame of mind where you know he's. They don't rate him, or is it because we didn't pay a lot of money for him? I'm a big fan of Moise Keane, but the pe- people who are like trying to, you know, she won't like she won Moise Keane into our team when he hasn't done anything and he's not playing well when he comes on. Like Calvert Lewin is miles better than Moise Keane, but you wouldn't think so the way some of our fans behave. Yeah, if there's true. people who want Moise Keane to start over Calvert Lewin, I suggest go and watch hockey or something, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, we've got we've got a very good balance in the attack now. I mean, as you mentioned, people are looking, you know, for Cavalier to be like Lukaku, you know, pick the ball up like that Chelsea goal in the quarterfinal where he kind of just took on half their defence. We know that's not the play we've got, but we've got you know we've got Richarlison to do that. We've got Rodriguez on the other side; he's going to find the pass. We've got a very balanced attack now, which is not something we've always had to be fair. And I think the the change in system benefits them all massively. But you mentioned Moise Keane there. Of course, he came on as a substitute as well as Alex Awobi. Uh, Owen, did you have any thoughts on substitutes in general? Obviously, we've spoken about Sigurdsson, but Awobi's back. Did he did he do much for you in the kind of twenty minutes he was on? Yeah, I, 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 I'm 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 a big fan of Alex Awobi. I think if he used well, I think he can be a really important player. I think I was really looking for him to come on centrally and start, you know, dictating the play and linking up with Dom. But he played that wide. I thought he did all right. Moise Keane, he didn't really do much apart from that ridiculous thing at the end but he didn't really have to um, the thing with Moise Keane is that he, he just looks miles off the pace from everyone else on the pitch when he plays but it's lost cause but if people think honest to God if people think he should be starting over Dom I really suggest you don't watch football because it's just night and day the difference between the two of them Yeah Terry what were your thoughts were you impressed with the Wilby when he came on? Impressed or unimpressed, he didn't really do a lot, did he? Like, yeah. uh, but he didn't. He wasn't like particularly bad either. It, first game back after a little injury, first game of the season for him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much he gets used because obviously we've got that three-man midfield now, um, and you know very distinct sort of templates for each player. You know for a fact that you know when Gabavan comes back, who he's going to be, you know, coming in for when he comes on the pitch. Um, Sigurdsson seems to have like you know carved himself like it's going to be him or Gomez that that you know like mostly I know he came on for Takora yesterday but it's going to be Sigurdsson and Gomez for that attacking member of the three it's going to be um, Gabamon with Allen or as well as Allen if you want to go a little bit more defensively it will be don't really know where he's going to play because he came on yesterday for Richarlison but. I, th- I think as the season goes on, I think we may see Anthony Gordon going in there as the second choice to to um, Richarlison. Obviously, it didn't work like that yesterday, but it's a long season, and Anthony Gordon's a young player. I think if we um, 
I think if we would get money for a Wobie, I think we'd probably get a lot more money for a Wobie if someone was willing to buy him than we would for Sigurdsson. And I think they're both vying for the same positions, really, Sigurdsson and a Wobie. And I think we've got more chance of selling him because he's younger. So don't really see where a Wobie's going to play. If we do end up keeping him and no one comes in for him, I worry that he's going to end up being the right-hand side understudy, you know, like he was at the end of last season. He's going to be going to come in for Rodriguez, which probably won't suit him, but, you know, don't think anyone's going to be able to step into Rodriguez's shoes. But anyway, I think we will be could, get, could have a part to play this season if he stays. I just don't know where it'll be because there's other players, even in the second-choice slots ahead of him in all the places he plays. Yeah, so just kind of run off the video, of course. Six points in two games, find ourselves top of the table. Um, next up, we've got Palace. and Well, we've got Fleetwood in the Cup, but in terms of the league, we've got Palace, then Brighton. Owen, are we looking to really kind of build momentum now? I mean, I'm not saying we're going to win the league by any means, but obviously, really good start, back-to-back wins. Can we just carry on this form? I mean, because then, obviously, we've got the game, what, fifth or sixth that no one really wants to think about yet. But Palace and Brighton coming up, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think, I, think, I think we'll beat Brighton, but I think next week will be quite tough because... We'll be playing the team that can actually defend and they've got a bit of an attacking threat now this season. Um, I, I think we can win it because why can't we? We're top of the league and we've beaten everyone easily so far. But that, I think that'll probably be our toughest test so far just in the way they'll make it difficult for us. But who knows? We can win there. If we get an early goal, we'll win. Um, they score early. It'll be a nightmare, but we'll see. Yeah, Terry, thoughts going into the next couple of games from here? Yeah, just just echo what Owen said. Like, I think Palace will be tougher. I, I can't understand though anyone had them to go down before the start of the season. Like, Again, no, if you are, if people don't know anything about football, but no chance. That. I think we'll um, we'll have a real test against them, and it, just because. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Next door neighbours mowing the grass, so it would have mowed all over me points. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I don't see us getting the, the joy attacking against Palace as we did in the previous two games because, you know, they're not soft. They, you know, MacArthur, McCarthy, you know, their middle three of, of just destroyers. They're not going to give Hammers Rodriguez an inch of space like um, Tottenham and, and West Brom have. So I think we'll, uh, we'll be in for a tougher test and I think it'll be more about all the players stepping up. Like we're going to need to see more from, from Richarlison maybe and more from our midfield uh, three in terms of goals because I think that's where it's going to um, where it's going to be crucial the midfield battle Brighton I mean we're at home are we at home? I don't think we are yeah. yeah so I I hope and expect to win that uh, but Palace I think would be a tough game because they've started really well and they've they've got you know street smarts haven't they compared to other teams yeah so there you have it that's our thoughts on uh, the uh, game the win 5-2 win against West Brom yesterday um, really good start of the season. Let's hope we can carry on this momentum. Of course, we've got Fleetwood in midweek in the Cup. Uh, we're going to be previewing that as well. So thank you very much for watching. Check out everyone's social media and join us next time on the Toffee Blues. Everton, welcome back to another match preview. Uh, second, well, it's not the second round, our second game in the Carabao Cup into the third round now against Fleetwood, who are in League One. Um, of course, a bit of a tougher test than Salford. That game ended 3-0. Pretty routine in the end. A couple of shaky moments, but quite easy, quite simple performance. 
Um, joining me again, Terry McAllister and Owen Parks. We're going to try and dissect uh, what this game's going to go like, predict predicted team. We can try and give our thoughts on Fleetwood as well, but sadly we don't have any Fleetwood experts around. So I'm going to come to Owen first. Are we looking kind of similar rotation against Sol- as we did against Salford? Yeah, I, I would play. I would play the exact same team to be honest. Uh, maybe with a, it depends though because I, f- I feel like this might be, this will be a lot tougher than Salford. I think Salford as soon as the first goal went in, it was just if we got a second, it would have been. It would have been a lot more than three. We'd have got a second straight after the first. I think this game now. I think it's at Fleetwood. Um, I think they'll make it difficult for us. I think Joey Barnes done a decent job at Fleetwood. I think they got to the playoffs last season. Obviously, Wickham beat them, but I, I, I look at them and I think they might give us a bit of a game. I, I, I'm not really too up on some of their players, but I think nevertheless, I think they'll look at Evans and think we can beat these. I think. I think if we get an early goal, though, like I say, most games in the Premier League, I think, well, even in the Cup now, I think we should go out and win the game. But I think it'll be much tougher than Fleet with Salford, and it'd be nice to get through. But I feel like it'll be it'll be more demanding of the group than Salford. Yeah, Terry, do you agree? You're looking for some amount of rotation to the uh, Salford game. Yeah, I mean, I, I um. I was one of the people who was like, play a proper team in the League Cup, like properly go for it, like take no chances. But, you know, Carlo's come out and said, hasn't he, that we're going to use this this cup to, to rest the squad and just going to have to accept that, you know. We should, same as last game, you know, it's it, that's only Evertonian nerves that make us feel like that, like because we've had bad experiences in the past. We should still be able to beat League One teams with with, you know, international players on the pitch and, you know, you know, players who've played in World Cups like Bernard and Walcott. Um, I think we will see a complete change again. I mean, probably won't at centre back because we haven't even got Brantwaite now. So Keane will probably start again. And unless we can bring in a, uh, another centre back before the weekend, so before the game, sorry, um, I think we'll probably see Mina as well. And then. Um, there's a few players who, who could come in instead of other players. Like, it won't be fit now. I don't know whether, like, Walcott did Northern last game, and I don't really like it. Won't be on the right. I don't think he's very good there. I wouldn't be surprised if we sort of won't be on the right over Walcott because Walcott wasn't even in the in the squad for the West Brom game. Um, we could. I mean, is is he still alive, Fabian Delph? Uh, no, I think I think um, Phil Kirkbride mentioned that he's actually going to play. I think when he because he wasn't in the squad or anything. Apparently that Delph's going to come in, same as like Nkunku going people like that. I don't know if that's confirmed. I'll check that now while you're talking. But yeah, I think Delph might be coming in. Yeah, I mean I I don't like Delph. Don't think anyone does. But um, I would imagine he'd play because he's far more of a natural centre midfielder than um, than Bernard. I know Bernard played well, but I think Bernard might. Um, might start on one of the flanks, maybe. Um, I, the, the only two I think should be guaranteed the spots of the rotation players should be in Kunku and, and Anthony Gordon. I think they were really good down the left. On the right-hand side, I think it's it's mad to think it's a fight between, you know, it will be Bernard and Walcott. The wages that are going out on them alone, all fighting for one position in the second string is unbelievable. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to get a, a, a tougher test against Fleetwood. Um, you know, just, I, not, I'm not even going to, Bullshit and pretend to know anything about Fleetwood, but they're a division up from Salford, and um, we probably will see a more orthodox middle three than rather than have Bernard in there. You know, Davies, Sigurdsson, and Delph. 
you know, come on. There's there's a Premier League title winning medal in there, even though if you got it for participation. You know, there's international players, you know, experienced players should be able to beat them. I want to see more from Moise Keane, though. He was awful in the um, in the Salford game. Um, and that was a... You know, he's, had, he's had four starts now. I think it's four. He, he was pouring two of them, that one, and Sheffield United earlier last season. But he was good in the Newcastle and Bournemouth games compared to his substitute appearances. So I want to see him... I want to see him... Dominate. I want to see him play well. He's an Italy international. Like he's a former Juventus player. He should be able to have the best of of Fleetwood Town players. All due respect to Fleetwood. You know it doesn't always work like that, but that's what I want to see. That's what I think we should see, whether we do or not. I don't know. Yeah, a corner Phil Kirkbride. Um, well, this was before the game uh, yesterday. Lursel's back with a, out with a back injury. Somehow he's picked that up. I'm not sure when. Delph apparently is set to play against Fleetwood. Uh, Lewis Gibson's heading on Red into loan on loan. Tosin's still injured. Velassi, Besic and Sandro, of course, the club are just looking to sell them, so they're not involved at all. And Kuknu is apparently also going to play versus Fleetwood, and then I presume Anthony Gordon is as well, but that's not confirmed or anything. Gabamin isn't back until October or November, so I was, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying about Iwobi. Um That's probably the only change I'd make, but as well, Moise Keane has to make much vast improvements from what he did against Salford. Um, he really struggled for no apparent reason. He's a much better player than League Two. I mean that that was a bit ridiculous. I'm looking to I'm looking forward to seeing Nkunku and Gordon again. And I was disappointed not to see Gordon on the bench. To be fair, I'm not sure how much of a difference it would have made. It's not like we needed him in the end, but it's always good experience. Uh, I was a bit disappointed not to see him, but I guess um, if Ancelotti didn't think he was going to have to use him or use him at any point, there's no point in bringing him. I guess um, it will be. I want to see because he's obviously he's going to need as much fitness. Uh, he didn't, of course, hasn't played the first two games, only played a bit of yesterday's game. Um, something that we could definitely talk about as well, because the Fleetwood side are a lot more settled. I, I understand Salford, they had signed, well, I think I think there's one player left from in the past two seasons. So obviously, season before last, they got promoted from the National League and they've changed all their players bar from one. So that wasn't a settled squad at all. It was a very new squad. They hadn't played much together. Oh, and you think this is going to have much bearing on it? Of course, Fleetwood are going to be a lot more organised. They know each other a lot better than the Salford team did. Yeah, and I think another thing that we're really underestimating here is Joey Barton's ego. He would love to beat a Premier League team, especially Everton, just to say oh, what a great manager he is. I think we're really underestimating that outside impact there. But Everton should be Fleetwood, no problem. Yeah. Terry, do you think that's going to have an effect with uh, Fleetwood players being a, more of a, you know, more of a squad than the Salford players were. And are we away as well? This is very, I mean, not that yeah. away and home makes too much of a difference these days, but it still has some bearing, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I expect a much tougher test and more for the reason Owen said, like it's Joey Barton, he'll be desperate to beat us just because it's Joey Barton. He wants to have that scalp, doesn't he? But um, yeah, you can never bank on anything. This is what cup upsets are all about. But if we've, if we've got players who... Forget the price tags, just international experience and Champions League experience, like a Wobie and Delph and what have you. They should be have enough in the locker to beat, you know, League One opposition, especially when two kids showed a lot of them up last game, where Kunku and Gordon were the two best players on the pitch by far. I think that's what everyone's looking forward to see, especially in Kunku. We've all got a good look at Gordon, but that was like the first a lot of people had seen of in Kunku, and he was great. So I'm looking forward to seeing him a lot. Yeah, and of course, if we win this game, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, of course. As we mentioned, cup upsets could still happen. We should win. 
if we win this game, it's then West Ham or Hull. Owen, are we looking for a, a bit of a run here if we can get past Fleetwood? Do we ex- would you expect us to beat both West Ham and Hull? Or how, how confident are you feeling well, about this game and then the next game if we get through? Yeah, well, I think either of them we would beat if we beat Fleetwood. I think Hull, I don't think they won a game for about seven months last season after Bowen and Grzycki went. And West and then Ham. Beat Leeds on pen. Magic. <laughs> amazing, isn't it? And then. <laughs> And then I think West Ham, I think, by the way things are going there, I don't think even if they beat Hull, too much will be given to the Carabao Cup, considering the likely position they'll be in by then. So I think as further we go along, and the better chance we have, I think it would just be Evan to get to Wembley and no one could go. But, I mean, keep winning. I think I think it's just one game at a time. I think Fleetwood then, Palace then, Brighton, and then just keep, just keep going, keep them wins going especially until the derby. Yeah, of course, as well, because Wolves are already out. Obviously, they got knocked out. Um, Palace are out, I think. Did they go out to Bournemouth as yeah, well? On Penn. Penn, yeah. um, of course, Leeds are out. And, I mean, yes, but I, I never I never like us playing against teams like Leeds, especially in cup competitions, you know, the more aggressive sides. But, Terry, are you confident for the next couple of games? If we can win this, are you then confident about the next round? And then, you know, who knows after that? Win this one first. I'm not talking about the next round till we're through this. I don't. It's one game at a time, and as Owen said, it's a simple sentence: keep winning, just keep playing, and keep winning, and the rest takes care of itself. Yeah. So, um, just to round off, any predictions? Owen, you got any predictions? Um, I, I, I think it'll be. Oh, I don't. Know. I think. I think. <laughs> I'm going to go 2-1, Evan. I was going to say 1-1 and we will win on pens, but that was the negative. Of course, Owen, Owen, the man who brought us the no-one-have-any-shots-on-target in the Spurs game, of course. That was a legendary prediction. We always <laughs> perform my expectations. Uh, Terry, any predictions? I'm going to go with the um, same as the last round, 3-1. Um, yeah, all right. I, I'm going to go 2-1 as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a much more tougher test, as we've mentioned I'm less confident than we are playing against Oliver, but as you, as Terry's mentioned, I mean, yeah, we've rotate, we can rotate the squad massively. They're still all a lot better than League One at the end of the day. Um, Sigson should be coming in. He should be that calm head, allegedly, because uh, obviously we'll play a couple of youth players. I'm excited to see Kunku and Gordon back on the side. That was a good link-up that maybe one day we'll see in the Premier League. But as we've mentioned, very frustrating that probably our two best youth players at the moment are coming in in positions where quite sorted in, quite <laughs> quite strong. Um, in terms of centre-backs I'm slightly concerned because of course Gibson is off to Reading so he's that, that's probably going to be completed in a matter of days we really do only have two centre-halves and I'm, I'm not particularly excited to watch one of them get injured again because then we are I mean who comes in then have we got Luca Dean coming in back in at centre-back I mean yes that worked against Salford but does it, is it going to work against higher league opposition we'll definitely have to see but there are predictions anyway let us know in the comments down below what your thoughts are on the game uh, are you confident going into this? Are you a bit nervy? As, you know, you always have to be going into uh, draws like this. Uh, check out everyone's social media. And thank you very much for watching. And join us next time on the Toffee Blues. <laughs>